Welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. It's me, Doug. If you'd like to check out our podcast episodes live, head on over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash lowercase c slash mindgappodcast for the live stream there. We'd love to interact with you during the show. While you're there, it would mean the world to us if you would hit the like and subscribe button. This little act helps us grow and we'd appreciate your contribution. If you're still in the giving mood, head over to wherever you're listening to this podcast and give it a rating and a review. If you like a particular episode, video, or bit, share it around with your friends. Who knows? You may help another mind gapper find their way into our loving embrace. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindgappodcast. Your subscription will give you access to early content, exclusive videos, special Discord privileges, and more. All right, that's enough for me. On with the show. Mind Gap Podcast. Welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And we are joined this week by two megastars. I'm talking two top-notch folks that we're super excited to have here. They have their own podcast called Phantom University, which is amazing. And they're both very talented. One of them has written a book, and we're going to talk about it. And we're super excited to have them here. Please welcome Sergio and Sean. Hello. Hi. I'm Sir. <laughs> I'm Sean. Yeah, so for those of you uh, listening to the audio version of this, uh, this is Sergio's voice. I think, you know what, that's actually something good. We haven't done yeah. that before. And I'm like, that's probably something we should do moving forward is like, for the audio, this is who you're <laughs> listening to. Say your name and we're good to go. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for starting a new trend. Very, and thank you both for being here. Minded. Thanks yeah, for having thank us. you for having us. Yeah. Yes, this is super exciting. Um, like I said, you guys, uh, you have a wonderful podcast called Phantom University, which if you have not checked it out, I highly recommend, um, I don't want to butcher what it is. I'm going to let you guys explain, explain what it is that you do, but please tell everyone about your podcast. Uh, well, uh, Sean and I have been friends for, uh, since we we're 15, 14, since like freshman year of high school. Yeah. So, uh, 25 years now. And, uh, we've been doing this sort of thing like we used i used to have a um a tape recorder like old like like full-size cassettes uh that we used to do like improv shows like he would come spend the night at my house and we would make like radio shows and we would improv like fake commercials and stuff so we've been idiots for for quite a while um so we've always talked about the stuff that we love which is you know comics sci-fi fantasy uh movies in general and um uh, you know, we've done several different podcasts over the years. Um, and then we decided to try to make another one. Uh, and we're trying to hammer down exactly what we wanted to do. And uh, Sean's idea was, well, like I, the, my problem is I get too hyper fixated on one thing. And that's all I want to do is consume that content for, uh, you know, a short amount of time until, uh, I burn out myself out on it and then I just move on to the next, you know, subject. Uh, so I was like, well, why don't we do something like that? Well, we just talk about something that for two or three episodes and, you know, gobble up whatever we can and then just move on to something else, which, um, you know, it's like, uh, 
might not be the best as far as like um marketing you know, marketing like <laughs> here's a podcast about everything um welcome to our show uh, which is yeah. a podcast about everything and i gotta tell you we feel the marketing pain there <laughs> what a difficult growth oh yeah right yeah so like you know we'll do a couple episodes on aliens it's like the, the aliens franchise you know ripley xenomorphs all that then we'll do a couple episodes on the eternals and then we'll do three episodes on um what else have we done resident evil yep and so um we just did scream yeah we just did scream i'm wearing my scream shirt look at that that my wife bought for me um but yeah but we uh sean has a has an mfa from the iowa writers workshop i have a uh, master's in humanities and so we tried to talk about and like through what we've you know studied and learned you know it's um you know the the idea of like of tropes in genre and 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 subtext and all that kind of um you know there are certain things that we read into the into the stuff that we consume that we didn't see as you know as kids that we didn't notice and now you know with like i said what we've learned and how what we've studied like we can't unsee them and so like we really dig into like a more like scholarly scholastic look into like all the dumb stuff that you wouldn't normally think deserve a you know scholarly or scholastic view i love it and i gotta say um i want to talk about it more in a little bit but your breakdown of alien i love the alien franchise so that was a real wonderful uh journey for me to go through all of that so there's thank you when we get into it more there is uh there's something that that was very near happening that I never thought Doug would admit to. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But <laughs> I was, as soon as he said, I'm like, I'm going to have to check this podcast out. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go too much further, please tell everyone where they can find you. If you want to share your socials and also where to find the podcast, all that good stuff, please uh, share anything you'd like to share right now. Sean, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, well, I mostly hang out on Twitter. I'm uh, at Sean Hamill, just all one word. Um, Sergio actually handles the fandom you uh, podcast social. So I'll kind of let him take over there. All the hot takes on that Twitter account are mine. <laughs> um, uh, no, and my, my personal is, um, is Sergio TX uh, Sergio with a, a one instead of an I. Um, but yeah, everything else for the podcast itself is fandom. You podcast uh, fandom, you podcast at gmail.com for email fandom, you podcast um, for Twitter, um, Linktree slash Phantom U podcast that has a link to, to everything. So, yeah, that's, that's where we're at right now. Awesome. That's fantastic. And, Sean, and I want to clarify it's Phantom U, not Phantom U. Yes, yes. Phantom. Yeah. Cool. Just making sure for all the listeners it is Phantom U. That's right. Thank Should you, be Justin. Phantom U. Should we change the name of the podcast? <laughs> Let's not do that again. That would be our second <laughs> name change. <laughs> we did it all wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> Um and Sean, to mind the gap podcast and oh <laughs> Jesus, the, the amount of times, and all that. yeah, 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 nothing's ever been called that. And Sean, you also have a, a book as well, correct? Yeah, I wrote a novel called A Cosmology of Monsters. It uh, came out back in 2019 from Pantheon. The uh, paperback's out now from Vintage Anchor. Um, you can buy it pretty much anywhere you get your books: Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Um, you know, you can actually walk into stores and find it on the shelves uh, in most places, but uh, like they can order it if not. Um, and uh, yeah, I appreciate it if you guys checked it out. I just sold my second one that I'm hoping will be out next year. 
Oh my gosh. So maybe we'll get to come back. I'll get to come back and talk about that one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Congratulations. That's Thank you so much. So awesome. That's that's wow. I can't even fathom that. Nope. Um, that's incredible. Please go check out their stuff. Uh, it's absolutely worth your time, and we're going to talk more about it in a second. But before we do that, real quick, let's get through some housekeeping. So, first things first, I want to shout out to all the folks who support us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash mindgappodcast, to Wolfslore, to Richie Armour, to Zinni, to Slotty Bartfast, to Almighty Crit. Thank you all for supporting us. We appreciate you. We love you. If you all feel generous and would like to support us in our endeavors to you know make a more high def sounding fart board please head over to patreon support us drop us uh whatever you feel feel like we we'd appreciate it uh second of all if you'd like to join the mind gap family we have a discord the link is in the youtube description below us or in the show notes you can find it right there head on over sign on up Join our community. We've got all the great people we talk about all the time. Hang out there. We post memes. We set up game nights. We have a really good time. It's a wonderful place. Please, please, please come check it out. Um, also, if you'd like to support us uh, through our merchandise, please check us out on redbubble.com. Pick yourself up something nice. There's a lot of good stuff to choose from. You got hats, you got shirts, you got hoodies, you got backpacks, whatever you want. Pick yourself up something nice. You deserve it. And of course, we live stream on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mindgappodcast. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Central for the podcast. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Central for the video game streams. Uh, we had a wonderful video game stream last week. For some, Oh yeah, we played Pumble Party, which was a real treat. It was a hoot and a half. We had some really great and disturbing shorts that we put out there. So Learned go- a lot of stuff about Doug and his mom. Boy, that was a, that was a really fun clip that uh, amazingly in just an hour span... Got like a thousand views and then it just full stop. And I, I was like, that's what I'm talking about. And I want to say special shout out to Lunch Meat 74 Thank you for the subscription because that screen name, I'm like, that's exactly who we're looking for. So thank you, Lunch Meat 74 I'm glad you're aboard. Welcome to the Mind Gap family. We appreciate you. And one final thing. One final thing. I have, I have an assignment for you. One mm-hmm. thing for you to do this week, if you'd be so kind, if you like what we do and you want to support MindGap Podcast, do us a favor, head over to our YouTube, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Podcast. find your favorite video, could be a full episode, could be a short, could be a throwdown, ask Practical Doug, find your favorite video and share it on your social media. Do us a solid, take something that you like from us and share it with the world. We'd appreciate that. If you could do that for us, we'd love you forever. Thank you for your support. And that right there is housekeeping. We're wrapping it up. Give us to your friends like you gave them the clap. Bravo. There you go. That's how we do it. All right. Let's get into the good stuff. So first things first, I want to say, Sean, I noticed on your website there was a blurb about your book from Stephen King. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Holy Uh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, that was um, that was an extraordinary piece of good luck that um, I did not think was going to happen. Uh, I don't know uh, Stephen King. I don't know any of his friends or family. Um, Never read his stuff. <laughs> I don't even know who he is. Don't, I mean, don't know who he is. <laughs> Apparently, he's a he's a writer of sorts. He's a fan of mine, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I, I put his fan You're letter in the, the club. Front of am I right? No. <laughs> uh, no, it was a really neat thing. My um, my book's publicist at Penguin Random House, Abigail Inler, uh, 
knew Stephen King's publicist. They're actually friends. And she got Stephen King's publicist excited about the book. So she read it and liked it so much. She passed it on to her boss and he agreed to read it. And I thought that's as far as it's going to go. This guy gets handed so many books by so many people every single day that, you know, but, um, you know, he kept actually like, so, you know, for about a week after that, he kept emailing my publicist because he was traveling and he's like, sorry, it's taking me so long. I'm traveling. I'm still reading it, which I thought was unusual. He didn't have to do that. You know, he's Stephen King. He doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do. Um, and then he actually sent the blurb and I, uh, I got it while I was at work. I was walking back to my office from the bathroom and I just saw the Gmail pop up on my phone. It was like Stephen King blurb. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, so I went to my office and I sat down and I just kind of, uh, I kind of lost it for a minute. Like I actually wept for a minute there, which isn't rightfully my... so. Yeah. Sure. yeah That's in a lot understandable. Of ways, but... And it's really been a big help to the book. It's really um, helped get it in front of a lot more readers than I think it might've otherwise. Um, so it was such a generous thing for him to do and such a great validation from one of my all-time personal heroes and inspirations so um you know basically my life is peaked is what i'm saying and uh, <laughs> oh, it's all yeah, downhill it's here, baby. <laughs> no like, you know like, yeah. obviously joking sean you know i said don't know who he is like that was i mean i as a teenager i, I knew who stephen king was obviously like, he was famous enough to have uh you know passing familiarity uh, but Sean was a huge fan. Sean, you know, Sean, like, you know, would talk about his books and 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 recommend them to me. And I'm like, man, I'm going to play video games, readings for squares. <laughs> talk to girls. Yeah. <laughs> I was, well, I wasn't talking to girls then. Not not in high school. Post high school, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was still reading go, Stephen King and you were talking to girls. Yeah. I'm going to go neck with some hottie <laughs> and make out point. I'm gonna read. You can you can be in the, your bedroom reading Cujo, loser. Is that? I love it. Sonny Barfass uh, says uh, the next step, the next one you need to get is R.L. Stein to get a blurb, and then you'll be good. Then you'll be all set to go. <laughs> that would be amazing too. I wouldn't say no to that. Yeah, I was just I was checking out your website. And I saw that. And I was like, holy shit! Like, I, I mean, Stephen King is. I, I've I'm a huge fan of his work. I love, you know, almost everything he's done. It's just so imaginative. So yeah, I can only imagine when you talked about like getting that that Gmail thing come through. I just started sweating. Just the idea of like <laughs> Bing Stephen King blurb. I'm like ha, ah! you know. I get that enough when someone's like, yeah, we want to be on your podcast. I'm like, holy shit, why? <laughs> why? I mean, I'm thrilled, but why? You know, like that's. <laughs> That's amazing. That's how I acted when Sergio told us we'd been invited on your podcast. Well, that's you're very generous. So, yeah. Thank you. I did. You're very generous. You're very generous. Um, but that's that's so amazing. Um, just you know, kind of the kind of the first thing I want to talk about is like you know what's so fucking cool about writing. Like I can't. I've tried to write things. Now I let me let me put that let me throttle back on that a little bit. I've thought about writing. <laughs> I've come up with ideas. My my head is a playground of ideas, but getting them out and onto paper is just it seems like such a it's just an impossible task. Like I just I don't I I'm riddled with doubt. I'm like I don't know really how to write. I'm I know like a writer to me. It's like I know what a say <laughs> that that tracks, man. Um I'm like I I I know stories. I've I've watched movies. I've read books. I I know kind of I know the beats, you know. But I 
don't have any confidence in my writing whatsoever. So I'll get started and I'll write something. I have a lot of things that I've started. A lot of, and then what'll happen is I'll take a break from it for a really long time and I'll come back to it. I go, this was, this wasn't bad. Why did I stop? It was because I don't know, name, name a reason. And I stopped. I just, you know, found a reason to not do it. Um, how, how do you do that? Well, okay. So yeah, I, I want to know this too, because I'm, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> One of the things I, um, I, I got to teach for a little while while I was getting my MFA. And uh, one of the things I always told my students, and I really do believe this is true, is that talent is a lot more common than people give it credit for. I think, uh, especially when it comes to writing, you know, with sports or music or acting, like there is a certain age range to kind of make your mark, right? But with writing, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it can help if you're young and good looking, obviously, you know, if there's a pretty photo to put on your book jacket. But um it's not a prerequisite to being published. So you can take a long time to develop. And I think that stubbornness is way more important than talent when it comes to finishing and getting things published. Um, I mean, Sergio can tell you like before cosmology, I had a different book that was making the rounds with a different agent and that book didn't sell. I did that agent left the business and left that book hanging. So I basically couldn't sell it because it had already been all over town to the wrong editors. Um, I'd also applied to MFA programs right out of college. I didn't get into any of those. And then, but then the second time around, I did get in and I got into Iowa, you know, and um, I got another agent, much better agent, and uh, wrote a much better book. And that one got. You know, that one, but I still had trouble finding an agent for that one. But uh, like they would do this thing at my MFA program, for example, where agents and editors, because it's Iowa and it's like this very prestigious program, agents and editors will fly out from New York just to meet the students there. Holy because, shit. yeah, like it's a it's a program that puts out a lot of like Pulitzer Prize winners and stuff like people way more talented and famous than I'm ever going to be. I was also in classes with and um, I would meet with these agents and try and pitch them on this book. Well, you know, it's about a family running a haunted house, but there's real monsters too. And they're just like, no, no, thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. No. Um, and it wasn't until like almost the end, of, all my friends are getting agents, but I just kept showing up. I, I, I signed up for every meeting I could get. And, um, you know, finally I met the right person and that he, who he is still my agent, Kent Wolf. And he was the one who knew, like he made me, he put me through the ringer with cosmology on edits. Like the, the, the book I turned into him was twice the length of the published book. Like we spent a year working on it and there were times, most days I felt like I was failing every single day. Uh, and still the book sold. And I still feel like kind of a failure because like it never hit the bestseller list. It didn't you know, win any awards. I only have 1800 Twitter followers. Like it doesn't, you know, but at the same time, the book is still selling two and a half years out so like by you know just to the goalposts keep moving right and but 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 the point is like i don't get any of that if i give up every time that like one of those things went wrong um and honestly most days at the page it feels like it's going wrong too and it's only like a cumulative like Basically, it's peasant work, right? You got to put your back into it and just yeah. shovel shit every single day. And eventually, suddenly, you've got a book and it starts to take shape. And if you're lucky, you've got something, you know. So does that – that's a really long answer no. to your question, I feel like. Honestly, I – from some of the stuff I've seen creative, you know, creatively. Creativity. Um, you know, doing improv, I met a lot of 
really talented people. Also, I knew I went to uh, Columbia College, Chicago, uh, for music business, which, as you can tell, is working out. Um, <laughs> but I met a lot of people who were super fucking talented, but they were lazy. Mm-hmm. And um, that always blew my mind. How did where did Sergio go? Why is he off of my screen? Well, he's frozen on my screen. Uh-oh. Yeah, mine too. I think we lost him. Anyway, he'll come back. They always yeah. come back. Come back to us. <laughs> um, I met a lot of people that were just unfortunately like super talented, but they were lazy. Like they didn't put in the work. And I always, I, for some reason, I'm like, oh, like if you're if you're not talented then that's that's it like you got to have the talent and that's it and there is a there's a strong it's uh it's, it's, i can't believe i'm bringing this up again but it's it's like a this book called strengths finders uh where it, it talks about um it's not just talent. they they compare it to Mon- joe montana right and actually they use rudy from our favorite movie we like to talk about in here which is um you know rudy from the movie Rudy is trying to play football at Notre Dame. He lacked the natural talent. So if you were to weigh him or give him a score out of five, he was like a two out of five, but his effort was a five out of five. So if you take the two and multiply it by the five, you get a 10. If you take the same example with Joe Montana, who had the incredible talent and also had the incredible work ethic, it was five and a five you multiply together, it's a 25, if you were to kind of put that in there together. So talent is definitely important, but having the effort to go along with that is equally important to make sure you can maximize on the talent that's out there. And so, yeah, I, I find like that's what's speaking to me when you uh, when you're kind of like talking about that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just keep showing up. Uh, every day and uh, doing the thing and sooner or later like if if you care enough about it you know I mean you know and I think a lot of what makes a good writer is you know just good I mean it's practice one two and two passion like you have to be interested in what you're doing you have to be you know uh, I think that you know that's part of where the talent comes in right is that ability to see to think in a certain way but uh really it's mostly about showing up and doing the work because i there are i've met a lot of writers more talented than me who should be better published than they are um you know and who may day who may someday still get there but um who just i guess weren't as willing to take that punishment as I was. I don't know. Cause I, I would, I would not consider myself a super talented person. I would consider myself a pretty stubborn uh, person. I think that, like I that. think that lends to it though. I mean, like what kind of what both of you were saying is that a little bit of talent and the work ethic or the tenacity can any day of the week beat someone who's got a ton of talent and will not put in the work, you know? And I feel like that, if you start with a little talent, I honestly feel that that talent can grow past where you started. So like, if you look, you know, it, it's cultivating it. So like, if you look at where you started as a writer, you may have thought, or you may still think, you know, I'm not as talented as some of the, I bet you you're far, far more uh, uh, adept at doing what you, what you do now than when you started. And you're only going to continue to get better at that too. I think that is something that can be cultivated. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so yeah, I, I would I would say if you're interested in writing, just keep at it. Like just 
try and make some time every day if you can, or at least three to five days a week and just keep showing up and uh, give yourself permission to write awful, awfully some days, like, you know, and uh, pick a word count goal and stick to it. I'd say like uh, one of my favorite writers, Laird Barron says he aims for about 400 words a day, which is very doable. Um, I usually shoot for about a thousand, but if I'm not feeling it on the day, I'll like give myself permission to do like 400 or 500. And usually I end up doing more than that, but just by lowering that expectation in my head, I kind of can take the pressure off. Or if I need a day where I just do less, then that's fine. But I would say don't take months off from a project if you can help it because it'll go cold. It gets harder and harder. It's like going to the gym, right? It's, yeah. it's you know, when, when you've been away for a week, you don't want to go back. You know, you just got to show up. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, yeah, I, I have these epic sprawls in my brain. I'm like, why am I doing? Why? Why is this the only thing I think of? Like these just epic journeys. I'm like, good Lord. I th For me, the goal is putting an outline together. Let's start there. You know, let's just. Doug has sent me a few of the outlines and like they are, I'm, and I'm, I say this, uh, you know, they're Tolkien-esque in scale. Like they are gigantic massive intricate worlds that he's built and one of the i think one of the uh, outlines you sent me was like it in and of itself was like 10 pages or yeah. something and it yeah. was just it was massive was really but gross. again it was a great fucking story i was all i wanted to do is like sit down and write the fucking thing because i want to read this yeah that stop is... depriving us of this i'm trying I'm, I'm trying sort of well, and you've also got a little kid, you know. I, I have all the excuses in the world not to do it, you know. So I got to try and actually put it out there. That's that's my only thing, you know. So, well, you know, oh. it took Tolkien like what twenty two years to write Lord of the Rings. Like it took him a while, yeah. and that's pretty much all he wrote. Right? He yeah. published four books in his lifetime, and then his kids, you know, made hay out of his notes for another forty years after that, or whatever. But, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I so. I, you know, there's no timeline on this. That's what's great about it. Like the only timeline is your actual lifespan, right? Like, yeah. you know, as long as you're still here, you can keep no, That is on a it. good point. The idea that it's, it's not like, well, I missed my chance. I'm turning 39. That was it. That was my only <laughs> shot. I yeah, had 39 like, yeah. years to write a book and now it's done. So, you know, unlike uh, an athlete where there's definitely a, a physical, like, you know, finite amount of time that you could really like get the most out of, uh, out of what you can do. Or even, uh, you know, I don't know, I want to like say like, you know, like they're talking about uggo writers and like the uggo writers are the best because they're the real quick cave dwellers in the chat. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, you don't, you know, unlike like movies or TV or even music, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a good look to um, be marketable, you know. Like writing you know, is one of those things where, Sean, you're adorable. I don't you care what anyone does. I second that. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, you, it, there's definitely no, um, you know, the age limit or, or anything like that when it comes to writing. At least I, I can. I mean, sure, like, you know, there's always going to be like if some like hotshot, you know, 23 year old, you know, writes a um, like uh, I think it's like Emma Klein who wrote like The Girls mm. recently. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like you know, debut novel, super like you know, great. Um, so like that sort of thing gets yeah. buzz, but um, but yeah, that that's. It's not the same as like, you know, exports or, or movies. Well, and the, the other thing too, um, about writers, you know, somebody like Emma Klein and I don't know her background, but like 
one of the things I found in my MFA program where I was one of the older students is that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of those writers who do break out when they're younger come from some form of privilege, right? Like their parents are at least upper middle class or maybe they're already in academia. Like they 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 have resources that, you know, I'm assuming people like I'm assuming you guys are kind of in the same economic class Sergio and I grew up in, you know, sort of lower middle class that we didn't necessarily have access to. So it just takes us longer. And I think that there is such an emphasis on youth in the arts um, that really can put sort of a, you know, like a, I remember I used to think about the fact Orson Welles made Citizen Kane when he was 24. And so when I turned 25, I thought my life was over, um, you know, but then like, you know, I finally published my first book at 36. And yeah, that's later than I would have liked. But when you take into account all the other shit I had to get through to get to the same point as these 23 year olds I was in class with, like, it's not too bad. You know, I got I got there. So that that's the other thing to remember. Like, I mean, you know, if you were born rich and grew up in publishing, and you have a little bit of talent, and you still haven't published by the age of 25. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe take a look at your life and see what you're doing. But like, for the rest of us, you know, and I assume most of the people listening to this, like, if you want to write, you still got time. Yeah. Well, I think too, you 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 can find you can find your audience, right? Like if you're, if you're, you know, like all of, if we're pushing 40, we might not be writing the next great, you know, super relatable YA novel, but, uh, <laughs> right. There, you know, we might, I don't know, but you know, the, the, at the same time, there are people, if you start writing in your sixties, there's an audience of people who share your worldview, who share your experiences, your collective experiences. And you just got to find that audience. Like that's something that Doug and I always talk about with this podcast is that, it's, you know, we're not looking to appeal to everyone. The people who find us entertaining will find us. And those will be the small but mighty fan base that we have. And that's that's great because they like what we do, you know. God I think- bless the 13 people that liked that short about the Grizzly versus <laughs> the uh, the Silverback. God bless you all. And I, I, as soon as I put that out there, I saw people liking it. I was like, you are the people we want to find. Because sometimes we put out, you know, content that's a little more serious. I'm like, ah, this isn't really who we are, so don't get too attached to us, you know. <clears throat> just, you know. But that was the one where I was like, you people are our ilk. Come find us. Come subscribe. Be a part of our family because yeah. we need you here. Well, I'm and sure. You guys- oh, go ahead, Sergio. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say it's never been easier to find an audience than it is these days, too. That that yeah. was just the other thing is like, um, you know, if there is an audience for your work, if your work is good they will you will find them and and, and vice versa over time yeah. you just have to yeah. give it time what were I'm, you, sure I'm sorry no i was gonna say i'm sure that's what you guys have found with your podcast too like i'm sure the people who have who have found you guys are people who share very similar you know thought processes and are interested like you guys have the people who relate to you and you found that audience you found your niche yeah i i think so would you agree with that sergio Oh uh, yeah, like Slatterbart in the uh, chat says that lunch meat seventy fours of the world. That's who. Uh, <laughs> that's who we need that's to find. That's who we appeal to. Um, but yeah, like it's it, and because of the nature of our podcast, where we're constantly changing subjects and and and, and themes, you know, it's um, it's more so yeah about the the thought process behind it. You know, you know, rather than like we're going to do a podcast about the Scream movies and. Week in and week out, we're going to talk about some different facet of the Scream movies. And so obviously, if you're a fan of the Scream movies, you'll probably like the podcast. Um, but instead, we only do a couple episodes on those on those movies. And rather than, um, you know, 
just appeal to the fans of Scream. Obviously, we want them to to listen as well. Um, but we want people who enjoy, you know, our episodes on the on aliens, on the xenomorphs, uh, because you know they enjoy like how we break things down and how we discuss you know certain uh, topics and themes and you know, like I said, our uh, our thought processes behind them. Yeah, I think. Um... That's that's such a good point because there's a, I I love the how did this get made podcast with Paul Shear, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jason Manzukis and J- June Diane Raphael. But I don't listen to every episode because I haven't seen all those movies. Like I, I some of them I'll take a risk on. I'm like I've never seen this movie. I'll it sounds wild. It should be fun to hear and break it down. But I love it when they do a movie that I have seen because I'm like let's tear this shit up. Let's do Face Off. I want to hear what you guys think about Face Off. <laughs> And, oh, Face Off um, was great. Yeah, it's 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 a wild ass movie. You know, um, for me, I've seen Scream One, but I haven't seen the rest of the Scream movies. And that that movie to me, it was I remember it was a sensation. Yep. I don't know if I was just too young or what. I'm not super into horror movies either, so I was like, meh. It didn't really, it didn't really affect me. So when people are like, Scream's back, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, I mean, <laughs> whatever. It's 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 a movie. That's cool, I guess. You know. So I was super into your alien breakdown. I fucking loved all of that. I love the alien franchise. Like it's one of my favorite things. And I honestly had just started rewatching aliens as I was listening to that. So as you were also breaking down like the aliens movie, I'm like, I just watched it. I know everything (laughs) you're saying. I get it. It's so cool. Um, And in particular, I'm a big fan of alien aliens. Alien three is, uh, a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, it's it's one of those ones where you're like, I know it's not the best, but I still enjoy it kind of thing. Alien Resurrection, I went to the theater to see that one. And I, you, I, wait, I, you feel guilty about liking it? Uh, not, you know what? I don't you know. Expertly, Alien- expertly baited them into that, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, it, was, it was one of those movies where it's like, I think I feel differently about it now. But it, w- I remember when it came out, it just it wasn't it wasn't like the other ones, and it wasn't until later that I realized all the production problems that happened behind with the yeah. the numerous scripts and just the fact that I think what was it Fincher got added in like five weeks before he only had like five weeks for pre production, and it yeah. was I mean the fact that that movie got made and did as well it looks as good as it is I mean that's a miracle that that movie got even made under those circumstances it felt weird i remember watching it and being like hicks and nude are dead what <laughs> like spoiler like off muscle yeah I, I mentioned this in in one of the episodes where um for some reason i got my hands on a bishop action figure as a kid yeah. because that the late 80s and early 90s were a weird time with like it's uh, like infantilize like these like really adult like IPs. <laughs> Let's make these for children. These things that are de- like Rambo and and Robocop. Robocop. <laughs> like you know where a man is brutally murdered and brought back to life and has nightmares because he's like more like he's like a abomination of God uh, and he shoots <laughs> a guy in the cock. Let's make that a cartoon um, for kids. You know. But uh, so I had a Bishop action figure and um, I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch Alien Three. <laughs> and find out like what the deal is 
with this guy and find out his character. Oh, he's dead, like or destroyed in the, in the beginning of the movie. So and brought back grotesquely for a single heartbreaking scene. Yeah, where he, basically <laughs> where he asks like, for death. He's like, "Please shut me down. I don't want to do this yeah, anymore." Like, Why did you do this? <laughs> I remember those commercials too very vividly. It was for the aliens, for the xenomorphs, because you could they would spray water. You could have them soak up, and that with them spitting acid, they would show. I remember a clip from the movie with like, the oh, alien queen yeah, turning and going, yeah. ah! and it's like, oh, you can have the thing with the forklift. Like, you can have that. And you can, <laughs> looking back, I was like, why are you, why are you selling these to kids? This is not their movie. What are you doing? <laughs> made money. Oh, yeah, that sure. would be like, that would be like if they made like a squid game, like action figures, <laughs> and like, which, they, which they do because like, you know, like adults, you know, yeah. with, you know, disposable income, we buy Funkos and yeah. and other toys. Like, you know, like this this little guy that I've got, you know, free oh, hugs. Awesome. Um, but <laughs> you know, these are like in the toy section of Walmart. These are right. at Toys R Us. Yeah. Uh, like these are actively marketed towards children. You know, and like yeah, it's just it's baffling. It's kind of like weird. It's the like the like, eighties like and nineties no were wild, man. Dude, it was it was <laughs> gnarly. I love Trav Thule goes, what what better way to empathize the anti-consumerism of Robocop than than to have his action figures? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my god. So the good. thing that I, I never thought <clears throat> I'd ever hear Doug relent even in the slightest, but after he listened to your podcast, he comes to me and he goes, They almost turned me on Prometheus. Yeah. <laughs> I Prometheus is great. I saw that movie in the theater and I left very angry. I, was I remember so when excited. Doug went to see it, he was so excited and he's like, dude, this is going to be, he was, and he came back and he was about ready to like rage cry. I was, livid. <laughs> was so angry. I was livid. I, I, I felt like I was sold a bill of goods and it, it was, it was, it was to me, it was marketed. Everything about the trailer people. was, it just screamed the first alien movie. It was just yeah. the, from the music to everything. I was like, Oh, and then I got it and then I watch it. I'm like, what is this? This is not what I was expecting. And I think that was the problem is my expectations were off. And I was so annoyed because I know Ridley Scott was like, oh, this isn't a prequel. But I was like, bullshit. It is a prequel. Like he had his foot in both worlds where it's like, yeah, eh, it's not really a prequel. I was like, make up your mind. God damn it. Commit. Like, Make up your mind because you got things that are infecting people. There's kind of chestbursters, sort of, but not really. Mm. Then there's a face hugger at the end, kind of, and the xenomorph's kind of there, but not really. And it's just like, what do you want this to be? And I was so mad that, you know, the ship and, and the planet they're on, I'm like, just make it LV-426. Just say, why does it have to be a different planet? Just make it the same one. Connect it together. It doesn't have to be like, no, actually, this is a different one. It's lv <laughs> two two three or whatever it was i'm like no just make it the same one why you were referencing like that the one of the engineers is the one that we see in the first alien movie that has the chest burster but it's like no nah, that's not it that's not that one i was like what i just I, I think i the expectations that i had going into it were not met and i left very angry and i was like fuck that movie but after listening to your podcast i was like i want to rewatch it now with a little bit more clarity with a little bit more understanding and I was this close to buying it for five dollars. It was on sale <laughs> on Apple Movies, but I was like, I don't know if I want to own it. I need to watch it again. I don't know if I want to spend five dollars on it. I don't know if I want to own it. I want to rewatch. I'm it gonna first. tell Hag, uh, oh, I got shit. a new gift for you. You should not have said that. 
<laughs> we have a fan who, uh, whenever I rip on something or if I'm, he just buys it for me. Like, he has a lot of disposable income yeah. and he's, yeah. So Doug owns Rampage now. Thanks to that. Yeah. I was really, I was just kind of dumping on Rampage. Like, why would you make this movie? This looks insane and dumb. And I, I'll blow and behold, I get a gift of Rampage that I have yet to watch, but I accepted it. And I was like, it's sitting in my queue and I will watch it. So. Gift. You don't want to be rude. Well, I, that's what I um, he spent money on me. I'm going I'm to accept it. He was like, yeah. absolutely. I'll take it. But yeah, I, I I definitely concede to your point. Like it's I mean, really Scott definitely you know, wanted to have his cake and eat it too. Like it's it's an alien prequel, but it isn't. Uh, he seemed more interested in the ideas uh, rather than like the um, like the nuts and bolts of making a, an aliens prequel. And uh, but yeah, I could definitely like and I, I said this. Uh, I think the actual term I use is like mental gymnastics. I can do the mental gymnastics it takes to, for someone like I'm going to go in and watch an aliens prequel and then come out be like, that wasn't an aliens prequel. What the fuck was that? Um, but you know, alien resident or alien covenant on the other hand is like full blown aliens. Like, I don't yep. know who as a, you know, claims to be a fan of that franchise and doesn't like that movie. Like you're a liar, uh, <laughs> and possibly a thief. <laughs> um, because you've stolen my time with your with your either bullshit you know. take, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, Prometheus is is um, yeah. If you go in expecting one thing and and then you don't get it, I could definitely understand the hesitancy to to buy into it. But um, like I walked in because um, I, I have a like Sean's like really like the the aliens sort of like connoisseur between the two of us. And, you know, I was along for the ride. I'm like, yeah, like I've seen, I saw, I'd seen Alien and Aliens. Um, never saw Alien 3 and didn't see any of the two prequels. Um, so I was like, I really went in with zero expectations. And I found myself like, first of all, like it's just really well made. Like Ridley Scott just knows how to make a movie. I mean, like James Cameron. Like I remember um, when they re-released Titanic for like the 20th or whatever anniversary, went saw it and thinking like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's a date night. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, appease the the significant other. And then like an hour and a half into it, I'm like, this movie's just breezing along. Like this movie's <laughs> this great. Movie's good. Yeah. <laughs> I had uh, that exact same experience that year. <laughs> but, uh, and same like with Prometheus, it's just really well made and paced really well. And like I said, it's more about ideas than, than anything else. And that's really what we gravitated toward is, you know, why we both enjoyed it. Yeah. And I, I will say, Doug, that I walked out of the theater feeling exactly the same way you did back in 2012. It took me a while to kind of come around on the movie. Um, sort of, I mean, I had a similar experience, uh, journey with Alien 3 where like the first time I saw it, I really didn't like it at all. But like over time, I sort of grew an appreciation for it. And I feel like um, in the last episode of the alien arc, we had on uh, Sarah Welch Larson and she wrote this great, very short book called becoming alien. And she makes a really convincing case for alien three in that book. She makes a convincing case for all the alien movies, but um, three in particular, like, cause when we were rewatching the movies, that was the one that actually, I was like, I remember thinking this was better. Like, but then I read her book and I was like, okay, no, she's, she's, she, resold me that bill of goods sure absolutely no i i yeah i think that i i because i'm going back like again distancing myself from it the idea of it is fascinating you know it's like it's it's the idea of like where do we come from right it's less about this 
threat of this this perfect monster that is just there and it's everything the the visceral way that it it's it's the egg hatches and lashes onto your face it's just so aggressive and, th- and i was expecting that it's like where do we come from is it this thing that dis- disintegrates at the very beginning of the film but we don't have a reference again is that earth we don't know but it's a ripped dude that disintegrates in front of our eyes and <laughs> that just, dude is yoked ah, that so yoked but and it's it's beautifully it's a beautiful film wonderful acting you know all that sort of stuff but at the same time story-wise i was like make up your goddamn mind what is this and again, I want to go back now and revisit it because I agree with you. Alien Covenant, that's totally an alien movie. I watched it. I was so depressed Great when it was one. done. The ending just really in my gut hit me. I was like, no. What a gut punch. Oh, yeah. such a gut punch. And yeah. I've been really reluctant to go back and rewatch it because of that. I was like, that's a sad ending. Um, but I did enjoy it because it was 100% an alien movie I mean the trailer was an alien headbutting the goddamn spaceship I'm like that's what I'm talking about (laughs) the action in that one yeah like it's Ridley Scott that that's the other thing about Prometheus is like it's got a couple of like all-timer scenes like the 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 c-section scene oh god like as far as just horror filmmaking goes is one of the scariest (sighs) things it's intense like I've seen that movie like half a dozen times and every time I'm just like you know, fists up to my face when that thing starts flopping at her, like after yeah. she's got it out. Um, and I also feel like Covenant makes Prometheus better in retrospect. You know, how, for me, at least it it helped because True. it fills it makes David's journey make a little bit more sense. I had trouble getting a read on what he wanted, what he was thinking. And mm-hmm. then I feel like they have different writers on Covenant. And I think that that helps. And I think Ridley Scott had a better idea of what the story was going to be or, or what he wanted to say. And that really, I don't know. It like, it makes it easier to go through covenant or, or Prometheus for me, at least because I have a better idea of like what David's end game is, what his plan is where like, I, I just, his motivations seem all over the place. And, and now they seem a little more, I can, as to use Sergio's phrase, I can use the I can do the mental gymnastics to kind of tell myself he's following, you know, like an actual through line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, so, I, I agree. Like that actually does make it better when you're like, oh, OK, cool. They've actually bridged some gaps here. And that's why I think I need to go back and probably watch them back to back, like like watch them very close together. And I will probably appreciate them as a collective more uh, than separate entities because there will be a because for me story is everything yeah if if a story is is garbage it just it pulls me out i don't care how beautiful it is i don't care how well acted it is i forgive a lot or do i justin (laughs) hold hold my feet to the fire do i not or do i am i a dick about it i don't know you forgive a lot i you know what i have not been able to determine what garners your forgiveness your forgiveness is very circumstantial i don't know what the circumstances are but there's some that you're just like fuck that that was a garbage (laughs) horseshit move but then you're like battlefield earth i'll watch it again (laughs) what hey guys that's my guilty pleasure movie i want you to know that now i know i've never seen it i tell you what you guys should do a whole episode on it do you feel guilty about liking it? Here's the thing. I know it's bad. And it's one of those okay. things like if someone were to walk in on me while I was watching it, there would be some shame. 
They'd be like, what are you watching? I would like turn off the TV. Like if you got caught watching porn? Yeah, I would, per- I would say, this This isn't bad. I'd rather th- be watching porn than Battlefield Earth. <laughs> I, that's <laughs> what I would say. It's like, get out of here. I'm watching porn. That's what I would say instead of saying this is Battlefield Earth. Like, it is It is an objectively bad movie. It like, is not. No, I learned- that's Alien John Travolta. You can't fucking fool me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> I learned what a Dutch angle was by watching that movie <laughs> with a film friend who's like, Jesus Christ. What's with all these Dutch angles? I go, what's the Dutch angle? He goes, you, w- watch this next scene. He goes, it's tilted. He goes, every goddamn shot, ex- establishing shot is tilted. He's like, why? I, I'm not, not going to lie. I think a solid 80 plus percent of that movie is shot Dutch. Like, it's, <laughs> I don't understand why. Like, Yeah, I, go, I think the tripod just wasn't working or whatever. Whatever they had it on, it was just like the, the settings were off. because. It, the, and special thanks to our director of photography. Yeah, it was all I could do. You know, no problem. <laughs> I got a bad accident. My foot and my uh, my legs are just a little uneven. It looked good I to me. I thought it looked great. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I've, uh, I've never seen it. So. Visual gags on a podcast were great. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, you guys, I would love for you two to watch it and give me your thoughts on it. It is it, it is it is not I, a I'll good watch film. it. But I've, I read the entire book. Oh. I forced myself through the entire thing in high school and that was awful. Yeah. That took me forever because I thought the movie was going to be good. So when I saw the book in the store, you know, I was like new sci-fi movie. This is going to be amazing. Thousand pages. Let's let's do it. And so I begged my mom and she bought me the book at the grocery store. And what a waste of money for her. And what a waste of time for me. Yeah. Uh, but good for L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yay. Yeah. Way to go. Um, yeah. I mean, dreams gr- come true. Great actors. You got Forrest Whitaker, a Academy Award winning actor. You got Barry Pepper, John Travolta. I mean, there's a slew of people in there and it is it is a stinker of a, of a film. Um <laughs> But you, I remember in one of your episodes, uh, you guys mentioned that guilty pleasure films, like you, they're not a real thing. Like, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I don't feel guilty about anything I like. (laughs) He's a sociopath. He doesn't feel guilty at all. I don't feel any sort of emotions. There's a, there's a very, (laughs) I don't feel any emotions. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, like, cause I, like, I remember like growing up, like, this like punk rock kid and like, hearing a song on the like you know on on the pop station on the top 40 station thing like that's got a fun little beat too like no i can't i can't like that like i I've, i only got to listen to three chords in the truth dag nabbit uh <laughs> and then like i just kind of like like that's like no i don't i'm gonna like what i like you know and i'm too old to like try to put on airs i've got an entire taylor swift wall uh, for those who want uh for those who can't who are listening to the audio podcast you can't see it look but at that for those on youtube Tell yeah, tell them it. what your doormat says. My doormat is a is a gift from um uh, our Sean and mine's best friend uh, from high school as well. There's the three of us. Now my camera doesn't work. Uh, we're, the three of us are collectively known as the three assholes. Um, but it's a doormat that says, "I hope you like Taylor Swift." Nice. And uh, the uh, the the women who uh, come to uh. Uh, clip our dog's toenails because we're bougie like that um <laughs> like they uh like my wife opened the door for them and they're like well, what if we don't like taylor swift and my wife told her like well you're gonna have to talk to my husband about that <laughs> that's amazing real quick what kind of punk rock stuff did you like oh you know the usual like uh op ivy rancid uh bad everything religion. from like the clash bad religion yeah i actually saw bad religion live for the first time like every single time I try to catch them in concert. Something would happen. 
And so I finally saw them um, a few months ago, like back in uh, October, I think. That's awesome. Um, which was awesome. I mean, like they, I mean, they just stand there. I mean, they're like they're older they're than old. us, obviously, like fifty. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's all they need to do, right? You know, like I sound like the record. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm good with it. Yeah. Yeah, they were. But I, yeah, you know, Bad Religion, The Clash, all that, Ramones. I saw Bad Religion. They opened for Blink One Eighty Two when I was seventeen. It, yeah, that's a concert I did not. I I was like, I am not going to that on on principle. <laughs> like, I am not. <laughs> uh and to which and like again like we like roasted our buddy who got who was gonna go like his girlfriend got them tickets and we're like can't believe we're gonna go to that show bad religion they blink 182 should be opening up for them you're such a sellout and he's like it's a free concert ticket to bad religion like i was like i'm gonna go screw you guys (laughs) i had no idea who they were at the time and even then people were like you're old and that was like (laughs) 20 years ago (laughs) 20 years ago, yeah. They, I mean, they were old. One of two fans. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was. I, I was a. I'm a big Blink 182 fan. So, uh, yeah, that's. I don't know. Again, I was like, is that my guilty pleasure? Am I not supposed to say that? You know. I like Blink 182. I like them. That's they. They're the reason why I learned how to play guitar. So you know, God bless them. Except for Tom DeLonge, that guy can eat shit. A crazy <clears throat> psycho. Anyway. That's weird. That guy took a left turn. Yeah, he took <laughs> yeah. a left turn. He. He. You know what? I, I will give him props. He leaned into what he likes, which is aliens. So, you know, good for him. Sure. You know, good for him. Uh, and now one of the guys from Alkaline Trio is in Blink-182, which is... Yes, Matt Shuba. Which is weird. Yeah. It's, it's Like, I remember, like, growing up listening to Alkaline Trio and thinking, like, this is the complete opposite of, Blink, of Blink-182. Yeah. All these songs are about death and, <laughs> and drugs and suicide. Mm-hmm. And now one of those guys sings about uh, falling in love at the rock show. It's true. He does. <laughs> He does. And that's what you call amazing. <laughs> what do <laughs> I think that's about the world we live in? Trevor through this is what I think about Matt Skiba joining Blink. I, I've enjoyed the albums they put out. I thought it's been uh <laughs> I thought it's been good. <laughs> Both of them are Wolf and Noah are like, okay, but aliens. Aliens. But aliens though. <laughs> but aliens, right? <laughs> um so guilty pleasures. So Sergio, you don't you don't believe in them. You like you like what you like. Oh. You shouldn't feel guilty yeah, about what you Yeah, like. I don't think you should have to. I mean, just because you like something that's either, you know, um, you know, uh, knowingly like trite. I don't mm-hmm. want to say terrible. I mean, because, but even if it's terrible, like by by most metrics, if you like it, like it. Who cares? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the world's literally on fire. <laughs> What's that? Like you know, we're probably all going to be dead tomorrow. Like, there's a good <laughs> chance this is all. This is a this is a wrap for us. You know, as a species, thank you for the experiment, but this is all done. You know, goodbye. Uh, so yeah, listen to enjoy your Katy Perry by Rachel Platten. Yeah, listen to Firework. Yeah, you know, that song's great. It does, dude. Like, show me someone that does not get like hyped to that song at the gym, and I will show you a dead person. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, too. Placing the right song at the right visual moment. I love a good music placement in a movie, in a trailer, in a commercial like that. Yeah. Like when it's done right, it is. It's like when they mesmerizing. use Eminem for Assassin's Creed. Oh, like that was just perfect. I got so mad in the Assassin's Creed trailer, and they had uh, uh, Kanye like playing. I'm like, this. Oh, what was it, Kanye? I it thought was, it was Eminem. I think it was Kanye. 
I don't know. Was this in the for the Michael Fassbender movie? Yes, and that was like I didn't. I don't remember that. The first trailer, and I was like, "This does not fit with what I'm seeing at all. Get it out of here! Like, don't do that. It's so weird and off-putting." But then there's other times where like the perfect music swells. Uh, I'm thinking like off the top of my head, uh, Garden State, like that. So much of the music in that film is phenomenal and just enhances it so well. Um, the early Wes Anderson movies were really good at that too. Yes, like just. Yep. Whether it's also like Hans Zimmer bringing in the amazing original soundtrack to Inception or Batman Dark Knight, like most of the stuff that he makes, I'm like, I'm feeling it. He's making me feel the emotions. I love it. And you yeah. you add, you know, Katy Perry's firework at the right time in a very compelling moment in a film, I'm going to be on my feet clapping. I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to hear me roar. That's a different song. I know, but still. <laughs> That's all I know. That one I don't like. That one I'm not a fan of. Okay. All right. I, I am. <laughs> I like that song. But yeah, like our course is she, one uh, that I feel like was misproduced. Let's yeah. just talk Katy Perry for a second. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Dark Horse was one that I feel like could have been produced better. I, I like it. the uh I like the song with Kanye, even though that, that one isn't too popular. I liked it because it was like a uh it wasn't like typical for you know top forty radio. That's you know I'm I'm all I'm a fan of uh of you know doing something that isn't the norm you know whether it be uh like you know pop singer making a song that uh, someone like like Billie Eilish like her songs don't really sound like anything that you're gonna hear on top forty or at least you know didn't two years ago right um like you know I'm sure that you've got like the the subsequent copies of a copy of a copy of of it now 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 that you know that sound is is hot um. But yeah, like anything that sort of like, like you know, zigs when you think it's gonna zag. Like I'm, I'm at least interested in you know, like I may not like it, but at least like you know, at least you're swinging rather than you know, going for the safe play. I enjoy the the thing now, which is I'm gonna do this song, but it's gonna sound like this genre. I love like uh um, what's that one? It's it's like the. Would they, uh, I can't remember the name of the of the channel, but they basically were like, we're going to take this popular song, but we're going to pretend it's like uh, a 1950s like doo-bop like, genre, but applying it to the... Oh. It's something jukebox? I can't think what it what it is. Yes. Um, oh, shit. I know. It's driving me nuts. I can't think of it. Or there's jukebox a lot of... Hero by Foreigner. <laughs> or a lot Dude, of... I, it... uh, I remember one time Googling Foreigner, I'm like, Damn, these guys have a lot of good songs. Postmodern jukebox, that's what it is. Yep. They they do oh, a okay. whole slew of just different like popular songs but in different genres, yeah. which is amazing. I've seen a lot of guys like Alex Melton who's like we're going to do this popular Newfound Glory song but pretend it's a country song. We're going to do it like it's it's country. And I just love hearing you know, what if Blink-182 wrote, uh, you know, uh, Semi-Charm Life by Third Eye Blind, and they do it in the exact way, and it sounds like, like oh, Blink-182 yeah, yeah, did that. it. Yeah. I'm like, that is so cool. It's so much fun to just take another spin on it. And I hate country, but hearing, like, one of my favorite Newfound Glory songs as a country tune, I'm like, God damn it. You're making me like this. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you make me like this country version of this, you bastard. So what what don't you like about country? Part of it's where I was raised. It's uh, there's a lot of uh, baggage that goes along with it. A bunch of racist people mm -hmm. I grew up with. You know, really liked country. Um, and my dog just busted in. What's up, dog? Well, yeah, my dogs have been my dog and my wife. All of them have been busting in. What's up, dog? How you doing? Cool. 
All right. Well, thanks for coming. No? All right. Cool. We're going to stay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just... To, and there's my daughter. <laughs> hey, little one. And there's, there goes my dog. Door's open. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> no more swearing, guys. We're just... We'll let it out. Uh, but I, I think for me, country... You know, a lot of the typical, where I grew up, the typical topics were like, I got my beer in my Ford F-150, gonna go punch a bull and deliver a calf. I don't know how they go, but it was just, it, it didn't speak to me at all. It was nothing. It just, the I hate a steel guitar, the sound of the, ugh, it's just like oh, nails on a chalkboard to me. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, just... <laughs> Traff Dulu said that your dog heard you're talking shit on country. Like, <laughs> now, not on my watch. Um, and I, uh, what's great, like I, like there's like the, like there's nothing you said that's wrong. You know, like, uh, <laughs> uh, but like, I mean, there is, there's a lot of really good country that, that I enjoy. Um, stuff like, uh, uh, even like more contemporary stuff like Casey Musgrave is like fantastic. Mm-hmm. I like Casey um, Musgrave, yeah. Like she's great. Um like I listen to her on uh um Prairie Home Companion. Um uh, like that's where I discovered her, even though she was already like really popular, but I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna listen to her. She's country. <laughs> like the last like you know, country artist I remember like really liking was Taylor Swift. And then since then I was kinda like, all right, well let's see like, you know, what what we got going on. There's a uh, one, her name is, and I can't remember off the top of my head because we're recording live, and that's how that works. Uh, Caitlin Smith. Uh, Caitlin Smith is utterly fantastic. I would recommend the song uh, Topeka, okay, or uh, or Saint Paul, uh, and uh, like yeah, she's she's awesome. She, I mean, there's a part in Topeka where there's a there's a drop, and then she comes in with the vocals, and it's just kind of like. God damn, she can sing. It's fantastic. All right. Well, I've got that open in a Google tab right now. I will check Ooh. that out. <laughs> so, uh, Trav, uh, Trav Thulu also told me to look up the band Lucero, which is also opened in the tab. So, I'm, I was a huge asshole about music and stuff growing up where if you didn't like what I liked, go, I was like, fuck you. Like, I was so <laughs> just like, get your shit out of my face. And it's pop punk or nothing like that's all i was i was about and then obviously that's it's softened as i've gotten older i have the stuff that i will immediately be drawn to like yeah a pop punk song i'm probably gonna be like oh what's this um <laughs> i'll immediately get just pulled in i've gotten into easy core over the years and just whatever like i i have definitely a lane or an area that i head to but i'm not opposed to listening to other stuff it's it won't be my jam necessarily but i can absolutely appreciate it and be like that's that's pretty impressive i can appreciate the musicianship or i can understand i can do the mental gymnastics to understand why <laughs> another person would like it you know i think we found the cool. episode title by the way. that should have been the name of our podcast <laughs> mental <laughs> gymnastics mental <laughs> gymnastics um yeah, the same thing. I I, it, I may not become a, a fan of the group or the band or the individual artist, their whole catalog, but there have been multiple occasions where someone's been like, check this check this track out. And that track has been added to a uh, regular playlist or in rotation to, on a play. Like, there are certain tracks that, I, again, I may not like all of Casey Musgrove's stuff, but one or two tracks I may really take to. And it's, it's just, you got to have... I, I, 
I don't understand people who shut themselves off from different kinds of music. Like there's just, there's so much out there and, and I agree that you should not be, you should not feel guilty about what you like. I do subscribe to the concept, the general concept of what guilty pleasure means. But I think in, when taken in a literal sense, the words, uh, they're meaningless. You shouldn't feel guilty about anything that you like, unless what you like, you know, is racist or misogynist. Yeah. Don't l- yeah. like feel a little bad, feel really bad. If you're into like white power rock or something yeah. like that, yeah, if you're like, yeah. you're like, Oh man, I have a guilty pleasure screwdriver. Well then you should probably go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Your also add to that. To nowadays there's such access to so much music yeah. that whereas, you know, when I was younger, I had the shitty fucking radio at my disposal, which was an alternative rock station that turned country. I was like, yay, there goes all my fun, everything that I like. And there was like a top 40 pop rock place that was garbage. And that's all that I was force fed. So because it, that just sort of, it just magnified how much I disliked it. It was country pop, bad pop. And that, that, or I had a local college station, which was just random shit. Like you did not get anything consistent, which is a typical thing. So, Whereas nowadays I'm like, there's so much to go and see and yeah. and just it is explore and see what you can find. Where I'm definitely much more open. Like, hey, suggest something to me, I'll check it out. Like, I'm I'm much more willing to do that because it's not like just shoved in my face. Well, yeah, and I mean, when you know we were younger, like you're mentioning, you know, part of I think part of being young is you know, being very protective of the things you like because it's an integral part of who you are. Yes. But I think it's also like, you know, you only have so much money, which meant you only owned so many CDs. And those CDs were also a part of who your personality because if people are coming over, they're going to want to know what you've got, you know. And so like- CD tower, it's like, check out who I am. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That big book Uh, in your- Binder, yeah. Oh shit, I would carry that. That would come with me to all my sporting events on the bus. I'd be like flipping through. You'd be swapping CDs with your friends on the the bus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that that's part of it too, is there's a certain defensiveness of like, yeah, this is what I spent my money on. Like, whereas now with streaming- you can hear pretty much any single song you want to hear that's ever been recorded, you know, mm-hmm. within seconds. So yeah. it, it makes it a little bit easier to have that sort of eclectic taste. That's a very, I, I was going to say, like, I, I, I agree that that's, that's definitely part of it, but we've talked about this on the show Board wars on, on our podcast is there's this very, very much this idea of it's like, I have a different opinion than you on this, um, on this piece of art uh, and you take that as a personal attack and I'm not yeah. sure like why that is I mean like I, I I can you know I can remember how I felt you know I felt that way like you know like what like you don't understand how the Ramones are the greatest band of all time <laughs> like you're an idiot like I want to fight you I'm going to take um, a stand against you <laughs> this I'm gonna is the hill I die on rumors about you um <laughs> But uh, my favorite thing to say is like, weird hill to die on, but at least you're dead. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I mean, like you just see it all over on social media. It's like, you know, um, someone's like, man, I'm really enjoying the book of Boba Fett. Like, well, you're an idiot because that's not really Star Wars. Like, it <laughs> fucking says Star Wars on it. Like, you it's on the can. <laughs> it's on Disney Plus and they own the damn thing. Like, so 
I mean, like, if it's not Star Wars, like, someone should make a phone call because like, there's a, <laughs> Someone's a gonna do you know, something. bootleg going on somewhere. Pretty sure I uh, saw this character in the second movie that was really, I don't know. Yeah, like, he's, yeah. like, pretty, like, famous in this whole thing. Um, like, I'm pretty sure this isn't just, like, fan fiction. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it's this weird, um, like, there's, like, this, there's no disconnection between, or very little disconnection between, uh, like my thoughts and opinions on something and you know it not being like that not determining who i am as a person like it not i'm not making yes. it my entire personality the things that i like you know and uh it's it's more difficult as you know as a as an adolescent and a young adult because you really haven't um for the most part lived too much they kind of haven't figured out like who you want to be at least I didn't, you know, that was my big problem. I didn't know like what kind of person I wanted to be. All I knew was that like, man, I want to talk about Donnie Darko and I want to talk about Wes Anderson movies and I want to talk about Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Um, Like that, that doesn't make for a personality. Come on. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That's a very practical way of looking at things. Do you like what I did there, Doug? I loved it. (laughs) You got the questions. We got the answers. All you do is ask. Practical, Oh, if you've never been here before, welcome. This is the segment we call Ask Practical Doug. Inside of Big Doug, there's a tiny Doug that's called Practical Doug. And Practical Doug, dri- Practical Doug drives a lot of what Big Doug does. And our fans like to ask Practical Doug questions. And if you would like to ask him a question, you can submit it via our Discord channel or any of our social medias. Just hashtag AskPracticalDoug. Or you can hop on and stream with us and ask us in the live chat. Today's Ask Practical Doug, though, comes from one Mr. Slotty Bartfast. And Slotty Doug mm-hmm. would like to know, would you rather become Spider-Man or have $100 million? What's a more practical way to go? It's a great question. Um, I like to think that uh, if we're talking just long-term investment and comfort, it's a very simple question. It's the $100 million. Because as Spider-Man at my age, what am I going to do as Spider-Man? Like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to 40. What am I going to do? Go fight? Going to go fight crime? Be a vigilante? There's no way. I, I would be circumventing the law. I, I have the responsibility to determine what's right and wrong. And there was also the follow-up question was, if I become Spider-Man, are there also Spider-Villains? Or am I just Spider-Man by myself, you know, in a world with all these superpowers, just being like, pss, pss, you know, I, to, to, to what end? What am I going to do? Am I going to go out there and... and, and <laughs> Spider-Man can't solve the world's problems, man. Spider-Man can't do that. With $100 million... I probably still can't either, but I can try. You can solve your problems. I can. I can turn that over to Wolf of Wall Street, Doug, and invest that money to make more money to then maybe. I mean, you wouldn't even. And create even an army a, of Spider-Man. 100 million. Well, Trev, said. 100 million. I mean, that's, that's 100 million. That's you can start day trading. I could start day trading with 100 million, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Also, is this. Is this like Toby Spider-Man, you know, where he's got the organic webs or you, do you need the technical know-how to make the web in yourself? That's a great and question. Then, you know, you never see, you never see him like learning how to swing. 
I mean, that can't be something that he just like knows how to do like post spider bite. Well, in the Toby movie, the first time he tries it, he hits a wall, I think. I think we've all seen like the first time any of the Spider-Men, you know, try to do anything, they fail like miserably. Which is part of what's great about them. Yeah. Yes. So and does Spider-Man have like healing abilities? Does he regenerate? Well, that's what I was going to bring up is his physiology such that if you were Spider-Man, would you be more comfortable in your 39-year-old body as Spider-Man than you are in your normal human body? I'm going to say yes to that. I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Spider-Man has – he's he's got uh, – obviously, he's more resistant to things, but I feel like he's got some sort of regenerative ability. I mean, he heals better, doesn't he? Sergio? No, it goes. He just feels fast. Heals faster than normal, but it's it's not awesome. <laughs> not like yeah, I would say like you know like he doesn't if, need like, certain like like bumps and bruises. Like he'll bounce back quicker. I mean, like you've seen like a spider like you know you swat a spider down and it falls to the ground. Like it's good. It's surely the, the it plummeted to its death and then just you know scampers on. Yeah. I mean, uh, we neosporin to heal cuts. I mean, we've seen you know into the Spider Verse. You know the the older Peter. He's like. Yeah, he's got a stretch. He's got a bad back. <laughs> he's broken his back. Like he's been serious. This is the wrong time in my life to become Spider Man. Like I is the if I I don't know how to make webs. You, I hundred percent don't know how to do. Still that. be a writer. I could still be a but writer. You can't be Spider Man. But I can't, can't be Spider Man. Your Spider Man window is closed. Absolutely. You don't start this journey being a vigilante as Spider Man <laughs> with superpowers at thirty nine years old. That is a that is a recipe for disaster. That's like. Joseph Gordon Lovett and the Dark Knight Rises just giving, being given all of Batman stuff, like, go be Batman. That guy's going to be dead in like two days. He doesn't know yeah. how to do anything. He's a dead man. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen to me if I'm Spider Man. Give me that $100 million. I would love to see a short film following that character <laughs> becoming Robin or Batman. I would just, just a short, just it's him in traction in the hospital, just going, he doesn't I, even have I Alfred. Yeah. I just imagine him like looking at a device. He just presses a button. The fucking like, thing goes into his face. <laughs> He's just like, oh, God. He, he just gasses himself right away. Yeah. He's lying, it's like, here's all this shit. Face. There's no yeah. instructions. It's all custom made. Good luck. Right. And I'm sorry. Is he going to clean that entire okay. manor by himself? He doesn't no. even have Lucius. He has nothing. He has absolutely nothing at his disposal. Like, he's a dead man. So. <laughs> so he lives answer- under an orphanage, right? Because the house was given to the orphanage. <laughs> oh, true. shit. That's, that's right. I forgot about that part. He doesn't even have a house. Oh, man. He's got a cave. Okay, that, okay, that sequel isn't. <laughs> yeah, that sequel isn't about Robin you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, taking up the mantle of the bat. It's a horror movie about the weirdo who lives in the caves underneath the orphanage. Right. <laughs> who thinks he's helping. Who's been injured, but he can't get out. So he just moans and crawls around. Right. And the kids are like, what's down there? Says, ah, help me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's. it's oh, best. man. I want to see this film now. Yeah. Um, well, wonderful. Uh, I, I would love to ask the practical side of our guests as well. Which which what's the correct answer here? Hundred million dollars, easy. Yeah. Spider Man. I mean, while <laughs> while it would be, I mean, like, while it would be dope, it would be awesome to be Spider Man. That's yeah. not practical. Yeah. You know, having a hundred million dollars, you know, what also would be dope, like having a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Right. That is the practical. Also, am I going to be Spider Man out in the suburbs of Chicago? What the fuck am I going to be swinging? <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm saying is you don't have Logging. to be in this in this reality. If if you are just becoming Spider-Man, you don't have spider villains. So I would say how I would spin it, pun intended, 
is uh, you take that and you make yourself, you, you, you put an act together. You could become some sort of a, like there's so many, you, you make yourself famous. You become uh, you know, a celebrity that's worth way more than a hundred million dollars. Think of what it could do for the podcast. <laughs> Who gets it? Yeah. Visual stuff on an audio <laughs> medium. <laughs> it, it does just sit there, the whole podcast is going, and Justin's doing backflips again. There it goes. Uh, Justin is oh, hanging from the ceiling and recording from the ceiling. Um, he's on the but wall. But as usual, he did not miss. Yep. Yeah. Super fun stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. And you just see him go whoosh, swing by on the camera. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, to me, it'd be like the part where uh, uh, in Spider-Man where he he's, he runs on the golf course and goes and shoots his weapon. That's what it's like for me out in the yeah. suburbs. Yeah. I guess I could drive into the city to do, you know, park my car and then be Spider-Man. Right, like, to park. Yeah. Yeah, no. $100 million. Fair enough. Uh, that is the correct answer, by the way. Um, so well done, everyone. Well Yay. done. Uh, cool. Well, that brings us to uh, everyone's favorite moment in the show. Welcome to the Throwdown. Woo! We made it. All right. It's time. It's time for the Throwdown where we put two things into a fictitious arena and we make them fight to the death and we decide who will come out victorious. Justin seems perplexed (laughs) by what we're about to embark on. Our Council of Elders. One thing I've never uh, done before and another one I abandoned midway through. So... (laughs) Uh, here we go, Doug. This week's throwdown is Tracer from Overwatch versus number five from Umbrella Academy. Which one's number five? He's the guy that can time travel. The one I have to know. Oh, the before. kid. Yes. In love with the mannequin, yeah. Yes. The, the emo child. I mean, they're all emo <laughs> children, but you know. <laughs> That is very emo. Family. Well, they're emo adults. He's an actual emo child. Very true. <laughs> I, just, I was like, yeah, they're all children. No, he's like the only real yeah, actual child. So this is interesting because they can both sort of teleport <laughs> and they can. Uh, yeah, there's we that. do have a request uh, for an ad ho- uh, for a real quick uh, uh, um, calling an audible here. Sean and Sergio fight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the, the um, chat wants, wants that to happen. <laughs> Wait, the two uh, of us, one of us has to die? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, is this to the death? Yeah. Yep. Because that could change the my strategy. <laughs> um, I would say, I would say Sean wins out because I would let him kill me and oh. uh, let him live with that guilt for the rest <laughs> of his life. It's the long game. Knowing that, knowing that it would destroy him. Wow. That's some, I would, that's yeah. some chess level shit right there. Yeah, but what you don't know is that a Beth's selling novel comes out of that experience. And then I have a hundred million dollars. <laughs> and then I bring you back to Spider-Man. life. You... <laughs> and it's uh it's as hideous as uh, Alien Three. As yeah. <laughs> it's a, no, no, it's uh like an alien resurrection when you find the room full of uh Ripley's. Yeah. And you're Sergio's just like, Kill me. Kill yeah. me. Sergio six. Yeah. Sergio six. <laughs> Like, why are you, like, you don't need to worry about this room. <laughs> don't go in here. hundred <laughs> million dollars gets you, get you a lot. It gets you six Sergios. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dougie, what do we got here? All right. Um, 
I will, since you are not 100% not familiar with Tracer, I'll break down Tracer here. So, Tracer is a tier 9A, for whatever the hell that means. Um, she is superhuman physical characteristics. She's she's an expert markswoman. Are you both familiar with Overwatch, by the way? No? No. Okay. So, she is kind of like the the character that was on like a lot of the marketing campaigns she has this uh, device in her chest she there's a situation where she could not control herself from phasing out of time until someone like gave her this device so she can like sort of blink and teleport around she has dual pistols which she shoots at very rapidly she's a very fast and quick very cheerful british person like cheers love the cavalry's here that's kind of like her horrible it wasn't it great it's horrendous. That's a nightmare. Just love the cavalry's here. I'll save you. The world needs more heroes. That's a perfect tracer. Perfect. Uh, so she's this a skilled. This is a popular game. This is a, it's a very popular game. <laughs> That's, with that amazing voice acting yeah, done by why. me. By me, you know. Winston, it's me, Tracer. Um. So she's an excellent, she's a skilled fighter pilot. She has time manipulation, so she can blink and teleport, but she can also reverse time for a few seconds to, like, reverse herself back, which is kind of cool. Um, energy projection, teleportation, explosion manipulation. She has a pulse bomb she can throw out, so pretty good. Her attack potency is relatively it's small building level. I don't know what these categories mean. I say this every week. I read them. I just feel like, what's small building mean? What's small building level? She can defect heavily armored characters. Okay, cool. Speed subsonic on her own with hypersonic reactions and combat speed. Okay. She's not super strong. Um, stamina, range, bio intelligence. She's one of the most famous and proactive agents. She's a fearless combatant, skilled markswoman, weaving in and out of enemy lines. Yada, yada, yada. Cool, cool, cool. Tracer can be reckless and overly playful at times. The chronal accelerator takes time to recharge. Should it be somehow damaged, Tracer will phase out of corporeal... Is it corporeal or corporeal existence? I don't know how you say that. I always said corporeal, but I don't know if right. You're the writer. It's corporeal. Existence. Should the chronal accelerator be damaged beyond repair? <coughs> so, and her pulse pistols are tied to that accelerator, so that is her weakness. Ooh. And that is... That is kind of who she is in a nutshell. Justin, what about number five? Number five. Uh, tier 9C. That is 9C. Um, Bingo. It's been here twice. Uh, let's see. Age 58, but 13 physically. Um, bop, 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 powers and abilities. Oh, we've got to do two different seasons. Same as before, but with improved time travel. <laughs> limited. Oh, fuck you. All right. Season one. <laughs> Peak human physical characteristics. Cool. Um, mar uh, was it A, causality, martial arts, weapon mastery, high survival skills, teleportation, and time travel. His attack potency, street level, overpowered a squad of trained soldiers and can snap necks with his bare hands. Speed is supersonic, can react and teleport away from an assault rifle fired at close range. Lifting strength, average human, striking strength, street class, Plays by street rules. Durability, street level. Stamina, above average. Nice. Uh, range, standard melee range. Several meters with teleportation. Standard equipment, eh, none. Uh, intelligence, he's a genius or likely a genius. 
never got to take the SATs, mathematically <laughs> calculated a feasible method to travel backwards in time using his powers. His weakness, though, cannot reliably travel back in time without using the briefcase, is emotionally invested to a mannequin, which he's named Dolores, and is fatigued by teleporting multiple times in a short duration. Um, yeah. So that's him. So my initial that's thoughts him. are powers-wise, they're pretty similar as far as what they can do. Although I will say I think Tracer has the advantage because as long as her chronal accelerator is going, she can just sort of blink continuously with a small recharge. Like she's that's not that's not based on her stamina, so to speak. Whereas it seems like if number five tries to continuously jump back in time or do stuff, it could be tiring. Although in season one, you do see him basically eradicate a bunch of uh, professional uh, assassins just very easily, like with no trouble whatsoever. So he's definitely very skilled. I mean, I feel like it's a little unfair, right? Because a video game character is by nature designed to be fun to be right usually yes. and uh and tends to be overpowered because you get to feel like you're special in this other world and 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 better than other things uh whereas the characters in umbrella academy their powers are more like curses yes and they're just absolutely miserable sons of bitches to a t um so it it's almost not even like a fair fight really because one is like just an absolute god spilled a person and then the other one is like a god. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's how I'm reading it without yeah. over being overly familiar with either franchise. Sure. I haven't seen all of Umbrella Academy. What do you think, Sergio? Uh, yeah, like I'm gonna have to agree with Sean. Like you know, like the uh, the the cast of Umbrella Academy. Um, you know, they're they're miserable and they h- kind of hate themselves and. They're kind of screw ups because, you know, if if they sort of uh, they're doing, you know, what they were essentially raised to do in any sort of proper fashion, they wouldn't, you know, be separated like they are at the beginning of the show. Um, and then whereas Tracer sounds like like she's a badass, you know, and. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. no! He's being made. There he is. No, he's. Nope. Here I am. Did you lose me? I think yeah. so. Uh, I, go, I go with Tracer. Okay. I had a really amazing argument. Yeah. Like it was so profound <laughs> and so well-spoken and articulate. And now it's lost to the ether. Uh, I go with <laughs> like Tracer. Like tears in the rain. Because Tracer just like tears in the fucking rain, my guy. <laughs> That's an arc we need to do. Blade Runner. My goodness. <laughs> I My initial thought is if not... I think Tracer wins in the short term, meaning if she reacts fastest, I think she gets she gets the jump at number five. However, I think given enough time in the fight, number five will figure out that the chronal accelerator is her weakness. Mm. And I think if he attacks that and damages it, Tracer is screwed because at that point she loses all of her power. She loses her ability to use her pistols and she's dead in the water. So if she can react quickly and just, you know, Blast him right away, and he doesn't know what to do or how to handle it. I think he's screwed, but I think he's smart enough to figure out where it's coming from, and he can dismantle her if that's the case. So, also, I think number five is way more cynical, obviously, 
Whereas I think Tracer's much more like she's a hero, you know. She is love. The cavalry's here. You know, she's she's there to you know inspire the stuff. So I also could see number Justin's five. Not happy. <laughs> I think that um, he he could possibly exploit that in the initial fight and just sort of maybe analyze. Her. I you know actually I think I'm going to give it to number five. I think that's what see, I'm going to do. You made a good point. I gotta say. I just feel like Tracer, her whole shtick is that she's she does react that quick, right? Like she's like boom, 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 boom. His whole thing is he can teleport, but she's super fucking quick. Mm-hmm. Right. So if if they're battling, unless he can teleport backwards or forwards in time, like because his whole thing, he's not he's not quick, right? He teleports. Correct. Right. So teleportation and te- well, teleportation and time travel. So can he teleport from point A to point B? I think so. And that's what yeah, Tracer, that's what Tracer can do. Okay. So their so powers are similar. Okay. His limitation is that it's endurance based. Hers is technology based. Well, also hers, he's melee. She's got pistols. True. That's the thing. Like if they're both if they're both hopping around and she can keep a, a she can keep the distance between them. But the thing is, he's eliminated a bunch of highly trained agents. In a diner, like at close range. Right, but they none of those teleport. agents could also teleport. That's true. They also didn't know what was going on. So Right. If the two of them are going at it, if they're in engaged in a fight, Tracer, as nice as she is, hero as she is, she still kills people. Yeah. For, for sport. But I, <laughs> again, I think it's a matter oh, my of... Gosh. I think it, it's, it's all in how fast can... Can he figure out, can number five figure out what's going on with Tracer? If he doesn't, he's screwed. If he does, I think he wins. So, and I don't know. I, I'm just going to put Noah's his. Noah's saying he is by the numbers faster than her. Is that because he's 9C? I don't understand that. <laughs> he can react to assault rifle fire at close range. She can keep up with Genji, who is a ninja, like a cyber ninja. So, yeah, she's incredibly, incredibly fast. I am just going to put my weight on the fact that I feel like number five is smart enough to understand what's going on. And he's still able to match, I think, her to a certain degree of what she's doing. And he will figure it out and he will disable her. I think that's what it is. And I think his... Even with those pistols. I think his... Over okay. his His cynical nature, his bastardly nature, his ruthlessness is actually going to tip in his favor because he is going to be there to kill. Whereas I don't, I mean, obviously if they're thrown in an arena, they know what's going on. I thought, I think Tracer's playful nature will actually put her at disadvantage. And I think number five will win. Wait, hold on. Let me just look back one more time at number five's. Uh, Where are you guys getting these numbers from, by the way? Uh, it's we from, just know them, it's from apparently. A, <laughs> it's from an amazing site called versusbattles.fandom.com. Ah, uh, okay. And these are linked to us. Right before we go into the throwdown, so we get to go and nice. look at this sort of stuff, and it's well. Here's the thing, too. He is fatigued by teleporting multiple times in a short duration. Is she fatigued? Hers is. Or does she? She has in the game as it plays. She has a certain number of like jumps she can make before they recharge, but they do recharge. Okay. But it's purely based on the technology that she has. They will indefinitely recharge. She can do a certain okay. amount, you know, in a certain amount of time. But you know, all right, I'm calling it. Number five for the win! Yeah! That's as definitive as it gets right there, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) There you go. You heard it. 
<laughs> R.I.P. Tracer. R.I.P. Tracer. Ultimate rips. <laughs> that was so much fun, guys. Thank you so much for this. This this was incredible. Um, this is the part of the show where we want to essentially, if you have anything that you're watching, that you're reading, that you know, music that you're listening to, that you think our listeners, our viewers should check out. Uh, by all means, recommend to them if it's you know, you know, anything you got going on. Please, you know, Sergio, we'll start with you. What do you recommend? Uh, well, I I am uh, I did a huge disservice to a very good friend of mine uh, who does the Fumbling Four uh, podcast. Uh, I uh, in the plugs, I am also the co-host of the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast, uh, where we talk about D and D every week. Um, so what I am uh, I just watched the first three episodes of the Legends of Vox Machina. Yes, which is the uh, animated series. Um, it's uh, behind you know it's uh, the same folks that behind Critical Role. Uh, and the the characters from their first campaign, from their first season, they uh, they've now started um, a cartoon that's not like you know very much adult based, yes. very much for the for the, uh, for the adults, not for the children. Um, but uh, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's I mean, it's you know never in my wildest dreams that I think I would see a uh, another cartoon based on Dungeons and Dragons on TV. <laughs> I have uh, I've also watched the first three episodes and they were fun. I'm looking forward to see. Yeah, they're a lot of fun and like it's, yeah, I mean I'm not yeah. expecting anything to you know genre shattering, world no. breaking. You know if you know I watch it for 30 minutes and you know if I feel like I had a good time, then it was worth watching. Agreed. No guilty yeah. pleasures there. <laughs> no, no guilt, no guilt, no fear, <laughs> no happiness, no joy, no emotions, <laughs> nothing at yeah. all. Nothing. Sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm by like, the way, I'm like the Russian from Rocky Four, but short and out of shape. There you go. I like it. <laughs> and dumb because Dolph Lundgren is actually a genius. He is very smart guy. It's crazy. Like, how is that fair? Like, you look <laughs> like that, and you're a, like a rocket scientist. Like, what the fuck? Like, somebody stole some extra ingredients when they were mixing right. up old. He Dolph rolled well Lundgren. in his stats. You know, <laughs> he, was, yeah, he really like, did. He's like, oh, look. Three sixes, three more sixes. Like, oh no, these dice are weighted. Something crazy. Going on. Which, by the way, I want to yeah. say, uh, Sergio, you were very wonderful to listen to, and uh, the fumbling four and the Almighty Crit. Your character was delightful. So, thank you for being awesome. Oh yeah, that's uh, his name is um, going back to Tolkien. Uh, that's an old joke that uh, Sean and our like uh, aforementioned friend Daryl made in high school was J.R.R. Tolkien. What does that stand for? And one of us goes, Oh, Jimmy, really rad. <laughs> C.S. Lewis was cool stud. Cool stud Lewis. <laughs> cool stud Lewis. <laughs> they had these like it. frat names. Oh, I love it. Yes. Yo, Jimmy, really rad. What's up, bro? <laughs> when they played beer pong together at Cambridge. Yeah, and just like talked, I talk theology. You know, right. that's right. Like Tolkien's, like, you know, what if all these, you know, <laughs> legends are true? Nailed it. Drink. Drink. <laughs> No, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make up a whole language. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make like four languages. Do you know what elves are? Because I'm about to explain it to you, bro. <laughs> You're, you better sit down. It's gonna take you a sit while. down for this one. It's gonna be a while. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool. Sean, what do you got to recommend? Um, so I, uh, 
I just started. This isn't the newest thing, but uh, it's the newest thing that I'm currently consuming. Um, it's a fantasy novel by Naomi Novik. It's called um, A Deadly Education, hmm. and it's sort of, um, uh, I guess, modern or contemporary fantasy. I think I'd put it in the same category with something like The Magicians by Lev Grossman. It's set at a magical school, but um, most of the students die because... <laughs> Uh, there, there are, because all these magical kids are sort of concentrated in one place and there's no adults there, the school sort of runs automatically. So it basically kidnaps children from around the world and they just have to learn or die. And all these monsters are sort of attracted to all that energy. Um, and basically it's just about this girl trying to survive getting through all that, um, and just the different class systems. So if you're a rich kid, you come to school with a lot more magic stored up. Whereas if, you know, you just get pulled off out of the suburbs, you know, you've got nothing and start from scratch. It's really, really good. It's the first of a trilogy. Uh, I'm only about halfway through it, but, um, if you're into fantasy, I, I highly recommend it. It sounds like it could be amazing anime. That's what it sounds like. You said you described an anime show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it would make a very good show. I think, um, and I think the third book comes out this year, so I'm very I'm really cool. excited. I I won't have to wait very long. That's awesome. That's a really cool uh, really cool recommendation. I love it, Justin. What do you got? Um, I mean, besides uh, recommending uh, the Fandom You podcast, uh, I would also recommend. Um, oh, you getting fresh? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I would also recommend um, the Fumbling Four, the Almighty Crit. Uh, we just did a guest spot on their podcast and uh, Sergio again, like, like Doug said uh, in prep for that, I listened to the last two episodes of season one. And in the last episode, Jimmy really rad came back and instantly favorite character. Uh, the delivery, the, the role play was, it was fucking amazing. So I thoroughly enjoyed your character um, as I enjoyed all of the characters on there, but yours, uh, you're stuck out to me quite a bit. So well done on that. And I would recommend everyone go check out. It's a very, very friendly way to get into D and D. If you've, if you've wondered what it is, go listen to this podcast. Yes. Justin got his first taste of it. And, uh, we had a really good time doing guest spots on there and we'll let you know when that comes out. It should be coming out soon. Super good. exciting. Uh, I recommend, I just, uh, uh rewatched, it chapter one and chapter two uh and uh god damn it fucking I, I love it it's one of my favorite books favorite stories and um i think they did a really good job with those movies second one isn't as strong as the first one but still together solid solid movies really great depiction of pennywise and just man it was just i really enjoyed it while i was walking on the treadmill i was like and I was watching it before I went to bed one night. Jill's like, Jesus Christ, this is what you're going to go to sleep to? I'm like, yes, because I this love This is it. my comfort food. This is what puts me to sleep, is watching this clown terrorize a town in Maine. So, yes, thank you very much. But if you haven't checked it out, it's chapter one and chapter two. I think they're solid. I think they're great films. You should check them out. And that's... My wife uh, consumes uh, by the, you know, gallon full um, true crime podcast and, you know, true crime, you know, uh, reality tv and you know i'll be like you know playing something on my computer and i'll just over here like and then that's when they found the four bodies like what the fuck are you watching she's like oh it's a good one it's she's great like, it's a good one, it's a good one. <laughs> ah, we don't know what happened to him yet we're gonna find out they're gonna do the dna swaps it'll be great 
It's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. so. Uh, well, again, thank you both for, for coming in and hanging out with us. This was such a wonderful conversation. I definitely want to have you guys back. I feel like we just were scratching the surface. There's so much more I want to talk about. Um, so we'll definitely have to have you guys come back sometime uh, and do that sort of stuff. So one more time, uh, please let everyone know where they can find you online, where to, where to follow. Yeah, well, for the podcast, uh, Fandom U Podcast. That's F-A-N-D-O-M-U podcast um link tree twitter gmail um that's how you'll be able to find that um my personal twitter account which is uh my inane uh political ramblings and wrestling tweets pro wrestling tweets uh is s-e-r-g-1-o-t-x uh and then also the D lorecast d the letters d and d lorecast um at on twitter and as well as gmail Awesome. And Sean, where can they find you? Um, I'm at Sean Hamill. So S-H-A-U-N-H-A-M-I-L-L on Twitter. Um, you can also, I, my link tree is in the bio, so you can find all my other stuff there. But uh, you can also visit my website, seanhamill.com. It's got all my links um, and links to buy my book if you're interested. Um, so yeah, I hope I hope some of you will check it out. Awesome. Very good. And please, uh, if you all check us out on all our social medias at MindGap Podcast. And uh, don't forget to check us out on YouTube. If you like what you're seeing there, hit the like button. Please subscribe. It would mean the world to us. And don't forget to check us out on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Central for live recordings of the podcast. And Saturdays at 8 p.m. Central for a video game live stream hosted by yours truly. And please don't forget to check out Justin online as well. On Instagram and Twitter at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It's the fun way of spelling it. And while you're in the online realm, anywhere where you can find podcasts, you can find us. So go ahead and do all the things we ask you to do every week. Share and subscribe and all those things. And then 2East8th.com slash MindGap. And then just keep an eye on all of 2East8th stuff. Do not forget that on February 8th, Tuesday, February 8th, we are premiering uh, The Life and Debt of a Liberal Arts Major, our newest short film. The trailer is out now, so go to Tui State's YouTube page. You can check out the trailer. Our family watched it tonight, Justin. All of Ooh. us. Jill's like, is he going to go rob a bank? I'm like, you got to watch the movie. I'm <laughs> curious what your five-year-old's take was on the trailer. Did she get it? Did she like it? She that wasn't paying attention. Makes, oh, man. Yeah, she wasn't paying attention. Oh, I'm sad. She didn't care. But she said it's a guilty pleasure yeah she's like this seems like a guilty pleasure dad i was like that's my girl that's right hang on to that guilt well, that being said again sergio and sean thank you so much you guys are amazing this was a wonderful conversation so happy to have you here with us thanks for having yeah, us thanks for having us yeah thank Absolutely. you so much and with that i say uh justin thank you douglas thank you chat thank you listeners thank you and you all have a dandy fucking week mind gap podcast